We meet today in Psalm chapters 123 to 128. In Psalm 123, we are seeing now the pilgrims seeing the temple, then Mount Zion, and finally, they actually stand in the security of Jerusalem. Psalm 123 to 125 are also a part of the pilgrims' psalms, and they form a little cluster of these three psalms that tell one story. Psalm 123 has been called the Eye of Hope because the temple comes into view and the children of Israel turn their eyes to God in hope. The temple was a means of approach to God, and so that brings hope. Psalm 123, verse 1, Unto you I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. You see, the, the psalmist is now making this very clear. He says God is not confined even to that temple. He is not in a box in Jerusalem. You see, the critic is wrong when he says that Israel considered Jehovah God a local God, a local deity who lived in this little temple in Jerusalem. The psalmist here makes it abundantly clear that Israel did not believe in any such thing. He addresses him, O you who dwells in the heavens. You see, the pilgrim comes within the sight of the temple, but it causes him to lift up his eyes to heaven, knowing that God does dwell in the heavens. The temple was only a means to approach God, but God dwells in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Psalm 123 verse 2. You see, our hope, our eyes are on the Lord, the pilgrim said, and we are like servants who are constantly looking to our masters for direction. We are like maids who are looking to their mistresses for direction. And that is wonderful. They looked to God, not to Jerusalem, not to the temple. Also, we learn wonderful lessons here. When you are working for someone, you watch the clock and you watch your boss. You are sure to be working when he is watching you. Now, how many of us live as though God is not looking at us all the time? Well, the truth is God is looking. He is the master. He watches every step that we take. We are always under his eye. Psalm 123 verse 3. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. You see, the children of Israel have been despised in the world. And now they are coming to Jerusalem. As they come, they are coming and asking for mercy. Knowing that they are sinners and that they need God's mercy. They have not come to Jerusalem to pat themselves on the back. No, they have come for pardon. 
Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. Verse 4. You see, Israel has now come to Jerusalem, the eye of hope. They are looking to the one who dwells in the heavens. I wonder if we are looking in that direction today. That is the call that we find from Psalm 123. Looking to God, the eye of hope. Psalm 124 is also a historical psalm. A Psalm 123 is the eye of hope, looking to the future. So Psalm 124 is the eye of the past, reviewing the history of God's mercy to them in the past. Here is Psalm 124, verse 1 to verse 3. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. You see, as the Israelites look back over their history, it became so obvious that God had moved in their lives and made it possible for them to go up to Jerusalem to worship him. For this, they are giving thanks. And they are saying we did not make it on our own. If God had not been on our side, we would have not made it this far. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The streams would have gone over our soul. Psalm 124 verse 4. You see, these would be the waters of the Red Sea and the waters of the Jordan River, and the waters of circumstances in which they found themselves. And so they realized it was God who helped them cross the Red Sea, the Jordan, but also to overcome their circumstances, the many enemies, many obstacles that they had to overcome. It was God who was on their side. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Psalm 124 verse 6. You see, they know it is God who has helped him and therefore they bless him. He has not given them over to become prey to their teeth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124 verse 8. The children of Israel are worshipping their creator who made the heavens and the earth. And this is a wonderful little psalm. Again, connecting it with the thought that says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Looking back on their history, they realized God was their helper. And he is the same God who helps them even in this time. Now in Psalm 125, we see the pilgrim is now seeing Mount Zion. His heart is encouraged for the future. For our own hearts, we can actually bring this up to date and say, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord. As Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6. You see, this has been called a song of security. And 
is a prediction of Israel's national restoration. Listen to these words. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Psalm 125 verse 1. You see, the pilgrims have come from all over the land and now beyond the land. As they came, they saw the mountains of Judea. Then they saw the hills around Jerusalem. And now they can actually see Mount Zion. They are moving toward Jerusalem and can see the city clearly. And you hear them say, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. I would like to remind you once again, it doesn't matter from whichever direction you are coming from. When you are entering Jerusalem, you have to pass through some hills and you have to go down a little hill and then down the valley and up into Jerusalem. Jerusalem is surrounded by these hills, by these mountains. And the picture here is, just as those mountains surrounds Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds his people. And this is not just for a little time, but this time forth and forevermore. Oh, my friend, this is a wonderful psalm with blessed assurance that all who put their trust in the Lord are like the unmovable, never-changing Mount Zion, a psalm of security. Psalm chapter 126 is a song of joy after their return from Babylonian captivity. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Psalm 126 verse 1. Well, it seemed too good to be true that they were able to return to Jerusalem. It was like a dream. They couldn't believe it. And so they said, Really, this was like a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Psalm 126 verse 2. You see, now they want to give a testimony to the world. And the world is talking. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Psalm 126 verse 3. The remnant of Israel that returned to that land after the Babylonian captivity does not exhaust the meaning of this psalm. This psalm also looks forward to their national restoration when their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, returns, and indeed they will be glad. Here is Psalm 126, verse 4 to verse 6. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, let me quote Dr. Geblin's comment at the conclusion of this psalm. He says, Beautiful is the ending of this psalm of prophecy. 
we must think first of all of him who came in humility and sowed his precious seed with tears, our Lord Jesus Christ. Only his father knows the many tears which he shed in his presence in secret prayer. And it is perfectly proper to apply this to ourselves also. So let us weep and scatter the seed. Let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we will reap if we do not faint. This is amazing. This is a fitting conclusion. Let us not get weary in doing good. Let us go out weeping and praying and pleading for the salvation of souls. We will come back rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Psalm 127 talks of the vanity of building without God. The vanity of building without God. This psalm is another great pilgrim psalm. It is a mighty crescendo, if you like. Here you come to the crest of the psalms. We are at the highest elevation when we reach the temple area and Mount Zion in Jerusalem. But this psalm carries us right into the heavenlies. The heavenly place is there. This is a psalm that is applicable to us in our hour, in our day. And it reveals an utter dependence upon God. This psalm has an inscription, a song of ascents for Solomon. The inscription, a song of ascents for Solomon, does not appear in the Septuagint version. There are those who hold that the expression, my beloved, refers to Solomon. But the son of David mentioned here is not Solomon. He is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to this psalm. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Now, the word vain is used three times in these verses. My friend, everything is vain unless God is in it. Everything is dependent on God and on his blessings. An old German proverb says, everything depends on the blessing of God. I wish we looked at things like that, my friend. The Lord Jesus said, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is from Matthew 6. Verse 31 to 34. Unless the Lord does, everything depends on the Lord. In this psalm, we find a reference even to children. By the way, when the pilgrim went to Jerusalem, he took his entire family to worship with him. And so his children are also with him. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. 
Here is the pilgrim. His wife and his children, all of them, are there in Jerusalem. But who is at the center of everything? Again, everything depends on the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, the modern world tends to send mixed message about the value of children, granted. But the Bible is unequivocal in its affirmation that children are a blessing from the Lord and a source of happiness to parents. This biblical view stands in contrast to modern thinking, which slowly but surely has come to regard children as a burden on families and communities rather than a blessing. Scripture is not blind to the realities of raising children, my friend. In fact, it faithfully records many of the difficulties inherent in bringing children into the world. Nevertheless, the Bible insists that children are ultimately a heritage and a reward from God. We move on to Psalm 128. Now, home sweet home. Martin Luther called this psalm a marriage song. You see, it describes a happy family and then gives the invocation of the Lord's blessing. It is God's picture of a happy family and notice its foundation. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Verse 1. What is it that makes a family happy? What foundation must be laid? There are all kinds of conferences for the family, especially the young family. They are to adopt certain methods and adjust themselves to certain procedures and principles. My friend, you can never have a happy home until the fear of the Lord is in that home, until all the members of the family walk day by day in the ways of the Lord. This idea of working things out psychologically simply will not work. There must be the fear of the Lord in the home. You can psychologically be fit, but without the fear of God, there is no happiness. Psalm 128 verse 2 to verse 4 says, When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Do you ever experience tension between your work and your family life? Most people do. I certainly do. Yet, ironically, work and family are two of God's primary callings for us. And often we find them side by side in Scripture, as evidenced in these verses. Psalm 127 and 128 hold out hope for these areas as well. By centering our work in the Lord, we can find a measure of fulfillment and reward. Likewise, family life can be satisfying and secure when we build our homes on a godly foundation. 
As you think about the connection between your family and work, how much do the members of your family know about your work? How much do you know about their work environment? In what ways could your church help to bridge the gap between work and family life? You cannot get away from the fact that unless there is that reverence of fear of God and obedience to Him, there will not be a happy home on the earth. Children know if their parents love the Lord and if they serve Him and if they obey Him and if He is important in their lives, children will know. There is no substitute for godly life, my friend. You can go to all kinds of conferences that you want to, but you will never have a happy home until your relationship with God is right. When you get rightly related to God, it will amaze you how many of your problems will fall into place and take care of themselves. And then even attending conferences and learning a few tips and learning from God's word will make sense. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 128 verse 5 to verse 6. What a fitting conclusion of this whole study that we have done of these psalms and also a conclusion to this particular psalm. Now, an interesting statement has been made in reference to this psalm and I would like to pass it on to you. It says, Before the fall, paradise was man's home. After the fall, the home was man's paradise. My friend, Home can be either paradise or the exact opposite of it. This is a wonderful little family psalm, and we better learn and apply the lessons from it in our own families. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.